0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state
1: law. Listener supported. WNYC Studios.
2: Oh, wait, you're listening. Okay. All right. Okay.
0: All
3: right. <clears throat> you're listening, listening to
0: Radio Lab. Lab.
1: Radiolab. From WNYC. See? Yeah.
0: This is Radio Lab. I'm Lulu Miller.
2: I'm Latif Nasser.
0: And we're going to start this one. So it's
4: right here. I'm going to grab
0: it. With our producer, Sindunyanasambandan. I had to take the tape off from my wall. Who a few weeks ago brought okay. me into the studio to show me a
4: very large poster. Life calendar and lots of red X's. Yeah, so this is a poster that I keep across from my bed. Okay. It's basically this like, giant grid of boxes. And there's like 52 going across, 90 going down. And every Sunday I use um, this red marker to cross off a box. So 52 weeks for a year. So each box is a week? Exactly. And like, in theory, you'll maybe make it to 90 years? Exactly. If I live to be 90 years old, every single box will be checked off. (gasps) I'm triggered. (laughs) (laughs) I am. I am. Why
0: on earth?
4: Yeah. Well, I got this poster six years ago when I was living in this Zen Buddhist commune. Hmm. And part of the practice there was to, like, really confront our own mortality. Right. And this poster was a way for me to do that. But as I've been doing this for years now, you know, just checking off a box week after week after week, I'm, like, starting to notice something, which is that, like, these weeks are going faster and faster. And like, I know people say this happens, that time moves more quickly as we get older. But like, I'm really feeling it happening, you know, like I'm I'm about to turn 30. Mm. And I feel like I'm going to wake up tomorrow, 80 years old, staring death right in the face. Hmm.
0: That's interesting, because I think you're right that like a lot of us do get the bleary sense of like, whoa, whoa, that year just went by. But for you having those regular check-in points must make you notice it in a slightly more granular
4: way yeah and it's made me like desperately want to know is there something i can do to slow this down to slow time yeah like is there a way for me to make my life like this one (laughs) single life i have yeah is there a way for me to make it feel
1: longer could you send me a link to where you one could find this poster? <laughs> yeah.
4: So I actually called up a couple time perception researchers, Mark Whitman. From
1: the Institute of Frontier Areas of Psychology and Mental Health in Freiburg, Germany. David
5: Eagleman. I'm a neuroscientist and yeah, a writer.
4: Okay. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. And I asked them my question, how do I live the longest feeling life possible? Hmm. And they said one way to make time feel longer.
5: Think about sitting on the international plane flight.
1: Just imagine you're waiting for the bus or a subway and it's not coming. Do something super boring.
5: Hmm. Is that the life that you would want?
4: No, no, it's not. But fortunately, according to David and Mark, there's this whole other way to extend time, too.
5: The, the retrospective one where I think, what a year I've had. This happened, that happened, amazing, wow. And I was
4: like, yes, that's the one. Like, that's, that's what I want. So you want it to feel like it was longer when you look back. Yeah, yeah. When I'm in my deathbed, I want to look back and be like, wow, that was a long and meaningful life. Okay. And stretching time out that way, Mark and David say, is all about...
1: Memory, memory, memory
4: collecting memories. Huh. Like, that's how our brain measures time.
5: It says, oh, wait, how long has it been since X? And then it says, oh, all right, we'll let's see. This, 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 is OK, great. So it must have been a week or a month or 10 years.
4: So then I was like, OK, I need memories. How do I make more memories? Good question.
5: The only reason you have memory at all is so that you can navigate your future. And so when you're writing stuff down, it's something that your brain feels is important.
4: So you brushing your teeth this morning, do you remember? Um, Probably not, no.
1: Why would you want to uh, memorize your toothbrushing? when you've done this for 365 times each morning the last year. Which is
4: why, for many people, the pandemic years were sort of a blur.
1: There was nothing new happening.
4: And it's also why time seems to move faster as we get older.
5: sometimes people say, oh, I think this has to do with the fraction of your life hypothesis, which is just that, you know, mm-hmm. a year when you're eight years old is a big chunk of your life. But a year when you're 80 years old is a smaller chunk.
0: That's what I always heard.
5: That's not that's not the whole story. Hmm. As you get older and older, there are fewer reasons to lay down memory because essentially your brain has got the shtick and there's no corrections that need to be made. You
2: know. oh.
5: But when you're 80 years old, if you go on some great new adventure that you weren't expecting, that seems to have lasted a long time. Whatever age you are now, if you have an incredible weekend and you look back, you think, oh my gosh, it's been forever since I was at work on Friday. But if you have a boring weekend, you think, oh my gosh, I was just here. Um, and so this can happen at any age that if you force your brain to lay down new memories, Mm-hmm. then retrospectively that makes it seem as though more time has passed mm.
1: and so you could say uh, having a a life with a lot of novelty change uh, with emotions such a life will imprint more deeply in your memory and then looking back at your last day your last week your last 10 years even your lifetime Uh, then the longer subjectively time stretches or time feels
4: so according to my scientists if I want to make my life feel longer
1: avoid routine and seek novelty in your life that would be like the formula
5: you know you can brush your teeth with your other hand you can shave with your other hand David gave me a bunch of these like little... When you get out of the shower, try to towel yourself off in a different way because I've noticed people always what? towel themselves <laughs> off like unconscious zombies. With... Life hacky tricks? I mean, easy. Go unplug your coffee machine, put it somewhere else? else. Rearrange the food in your fridge. Put your, your just... dishes in a different cabinet. And your
4: silverware in a different drawer. Seriously, a bunch of them.
5: You pull this one off, it's nail here, this one off, it's nail here. You swap them. You, you switch wow. out, you push your desk over <laughs> to the other wall.
4: Okay. But now that I understand how this works, yeah, like, I don't just want to make life a little bit longer here and there. (laughs) I want to see if I can stretch time (laughs) apart completely. Yeah. Like, how long can I actually make it feel? Ooh, okay. So, Lulu, Mm -hmm. I've actually come here to tell you that for the next week, I'm going to live the most novel life that I possibly can. Wait, what do you mean? (laughs) Well, I have some rules. I'm going to wake up in a different bed every day, not my own bed, a new bed. Whoa, okay. I will eat only things I've never eaten before. Okay. And outside of the non-negotiable things of being human, yeah, I will only do things I've never done before. Wait, how? Okay, <laughs> what? Wait, you're about to go on like a crazy experiment? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I want to see, can I make a week feel like two weeks? That's That's my goal. All
0: right, well... I'm excited for you, <laughs> thanks.
4: I'm excited too,
0: Cindy, will be back in a week, and we'll be back in about two minutes because on the radio, we can do that Radio Lab is supported by Zbiotics. If you've been looking for some help, waking up refreshed after a fun night out, Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic is here to help. ZBiotics is a genetically engineered probiotic invented by scientists to help tackle rough mornings after drinking. This probiotic is the first drink of the night for a better tomorrow, as it works to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is responsible for rough mornings after. Go to slash Radiolab to get 15% off your first order when you use Radiolab at checkout. ZBiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. If you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's zbiotics.com slash Radiolab and use the code Radiolab at checkout for 15% off. Radiolab is supported by Babbel. Sometimes self-improvement can feel like a pretty overwhelming journey. So what if this year you just got a tiny bit better every day? When you are learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing.
4: Carnegie Hall has welcomed a dizzying array of performers.
1: To have Andy Kaufman, Frank Zappa, and Birkett Nielsen and Horowitz on the same stage, it becomes this kaleidoscope of our history.
4: I'm Jessica Vosk. Join me for the new podcast, If This Hall Could Talk. It's all about our unique cultural history, as witnessed by one of New York's most beloved institutions,
5: Carnegie Hall. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. Hey,
0: this is Radiolab. I'm Lulu. We're talking about how to make your life feel longer with our producer, Sindhu Nyana and whether it's possible to make a single week feel like two weeks by doing only novel things. Sindhu?
4: Hello, Lulu. Oh, my
0: goodness. <laughs> um. Okay, where have you traveled? What have you done? Throw the pastiche at me. Okay, I'm just going to going through the list.
4: Yeah, love it. Okay, novelty. <laughs> Here I come. Hey, do you know where I go to volunteer for lunch? I volunteered at a soup kitchen. What? What's the job? Radio shack? Radio I convinced a man on the street. Are you get no to let me try one it's to teach me how to skateboard. Oh my God, fun! <gasps> Can you just eat it like that? Oh, uh, yellow food. Found some of these little golden berries in Chinatown.
3: Yeah,
5: yeah, $25 pound. So you got to make sure it's a phone.
2: Turn off your phone, okay.
4: I went to the New York State Supreme Court and watched a couple trials. Huh. Okay. So who are you? I'm Jay. I attended a dating app mixer with my boyfriend, Jay. Ooh. I
2: think this is an app for novelty seekers.
4: Hi. Talked to a bunch of strangers there. I went on a date with someone who revealed to me that his mom might have gotten murdered the weekend beforehand. Just person after person.
0: Flow of time. It just it flows. It does. Yes. Sometimes it flows faster, sometimes it's
2: slower.
4: Like a river! I, like, needed to leave that, like, an hour ago. And I don't want to go to a random person's house right now, and I don't want to wake up at 7 a.m. to go surfing. Like, I'm not, and I haven't eaten basically all day because, like, I can't find food that I haven't eaten before.
2: Sounds like you're noveltied out.
4: I'm just, I'm tired.
2: We're experiencing your dark night of the soul, but it's day one.
4: <laughs> I just want to go home. I kind of fell apart, but I made it to the place I was going to stay that night. Is
2: this your room? Yeah, I stay here. You can not stay here. Which was this
4: place I found on couch surfing. It was essentially the top bunk in the bed of this very nice Turkish man. <laughs> and the next day, I woke up feeling good and I felt ready to keep going for a New York surf school. Is that I went surfing. Make sure you pick the right wave. With a bunch of 12-year-olds. there might be a small one, and then you take the small one, and then, like, oh, four big ones come, and you miss them. That feels like good general life advice, wait for the right wave. Yeah. I'm not a swimmer. Like, I can, um, I can survive for a little bit, but I can't really swim. Wait, you can't swim, and you went surfing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, were you wearing a life jacket? No, but, I mean, the surfboard is floaty, right? Like you okay, just kinda float Shindu, on the surfboard. Yeah, but like the ocean. You can't okay. Um, so this is just a little memo mid-surf lesson. Um I'm like good at surfing. The very first time I did it, I made it through the entire wow. wave. And the 12-year-olds were watching me and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> you thought I was some old lady who's just gonna <laughs> fall on my face. <laughs> Hussein, Hussein, Hussein. Later that day, I met up with Hussein. He was my couch-surfing host from the night before. He's this pedicab driver, actually, in Central Park. And oh, he offered me a ride. Fun, okay. Oh, watch out. That <gasps> <laughs> was close. Here, he's sitting on the bike sideways. Um, facing me.
2: Just <laughs> see me on the street when there's traffic. <laughs> At
4: one point, he made me start driving the pedicab. I love that we just traded. Amazing. I hit the curb okay. multiple times, <laughs> almost crashed oh into people. Okay, maybe I shouldn't do this. No, no, come on, <laughs> And then on day three,
3: I don't know if you know anything about atmospheric perspective.
4: Nothing. Okay. I learned how to paint with acrylics. How, how hot is this? You know, two thousand degrees. <laughs> Oh there, it's a bubble. Oh, it's growing grows. And blow glass. And later that night I went to this like performance art spa thing. It was just like a lot of naked people and gongs. What? mm-hmm <laughs> Okay. Hello hello. Okay. So it is Friday. No, not Friday. see. Uh, it is it is Wednesday night. And I'm going to sleep on my roof. My brain is shutting down. It's like I can't make eye contact and ask questions that make any sense. I can't. I think my whole my whole system is just, like, exhausted. The system that is just, like, on high alert because everything is different all the time. But then there are moments like this, where I'm lying on my roof, staring up at the beautiful sky on a perfect night, and wondering how I have never done this before. You know, it's just like so many things I just haven't done. Okay, I should go to bed.
0: Okay, how's time feeling for you at this point?
4: It's it's stretching. It definitely felt like more than three days. But I don't know. I was like starting to hit this sort of, it almost felt like a monotonous pace. I could do a new thing and take the subway across town and do a new thing and take the subway again. And it almost felt like I was making a sort of routine out of novelty oh. or something.
0: <laughs> Like the novelty itself was becoming old. A
4: little bit. And I was like, okay, I need to change something up here. You know, Mark did tell me that like doing emotionally rich things with the people you love, that also becomes memories. So the next day. Oh my God. Oh, the
0: sun is already kind of out.
4: It's I decided to go find some of those. Okay, I'm just getting packed up. Just got to walk over to my rental car. So I rented a car, yes. and I got out of New York City. On a bridge, there's water everywhere. She's crossing state lines, people. Oh, crossing state lines. Amazing line. view of the skyline. Which is actually pretty novel for me. Like, I've never done a solo road trip before. I'm at a rest stop in Milford, Connecticut. Oh, oh, ooh, oh. Did the massage okay. chair. Mm-hmm. Continue for 66 miles. Burn time makes you bolder even. Okay, we're going to Tasha's house. And eventually, I made it up to Vermont, where I met my friend's baby for the first time. Aww. Also hung out with her toddler.
6: If you guys want to hold it, you can. Okay, but be gentle not to drop
4: it. Who had just found a newt. This child's world was constant novelty.
6: I just wanted to discover him a little.
4: Her time probably moving slower than for any of us. Continue for 56 miles. Uh, Then I looped back down south... Another cowboy song. Drove east, 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 super east. Yeah, I've been listening to country music for four and a half hours straight. Um... I'm into it. To one of the tips of our continent, Cape Cod. Okay. Your destination is on the Oh my god, right. I think his dad's outside. To meet Jay's parents. Oh, that's a big new thing. Hi. Good, nice to meet you.
2: We do have several novel things for you to do, if you want, only if you want.
4: They were like in on the adventure from the beginning, which is so sweet. Yeah. It's like yeah. the biggest bag of potato chips I've yes. ever seen. Well. You know the Cape Cod potato chips? Yeah. The echo of the lighthouse. The lighthouse on that bag, we ate the chips inside it together. <laughs> Meta. Okay, is that a clam? Yay! I caught my first clams. We got the big one. I hear the water
2: boiling. Here we go.
4: So they're dead by
2: now? They're not dead until they open. They open.
4: Oh god. Okay, this one. The, the clam part is like the chewier part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also ate my first clams. I'm so grateful that you put breadcrumbs and cheese in it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Everything's free. <laughs> free! Can you imagine? How?
4: And our last stop together was the dump. This is like Christmas morning all the time. Where they have this little swap shop. Two squirt guns. Ball for the dogs. A whole corner of crutches. So right. lovely, lovely. lovely. Thank, you Thank you for, for bro. coming. This was such a delight. <laughs> Be safe. Thank you. I'll see you both hopefully soon. Anyway, I think that's that's yeah. I mean
0: that that's. And then did was you come home from Cape Cod on, uh, on yesterday on Sunday?
4: No, there was oh. one more day, but I, oh, I think okay. I might save telling you about that day. Oh, um, was it an
0: action-packed day? <sighs>
4: um, no, it wasn't. Okay.
0: Like just to circle back to your investigation, you just lived this week with like easily at least forty new things. I'm a ton a day, like pretty big things, like new ways of moving <laughs> through the world: surfing, skating, multiple state lines, Massachusetts, Vermont. Like mm-hmm. new ways of moving matter, blowing, Like you have this like incredible range. Yeah. Like overall, when you look back on the past week, did it feel stretched longer than a typical week shorter like how did it make time work
4: yeah i mean i don't want to sound like i'm exaggerating but it truly was time expanding beyond what i even imagined it's very long (laughs) very long yeah it worked yeah it worked with like flying colors it really worked (laughs) um did the week feel like two probably two or three three weeks. I mean, okay, look, it's it's actually hard to say exactly. Like that's not how my brain is processing it. Mm-hmm. Um, But like, okay, we do know that the mechanism here is memory. Right. And I started to think about it almost as like control save moments. Like, like how many moments hmm, did I do a little control save on? That's interesting. And that I feel like I have more of a sense of yeah that's interesting and it's weird like how many control saves
0: when you're just like living your life on autopilot Yeah. how many
4: do you think you get a day or a week very few very few like are there d- entire days that don't even get a control save I think so yeah most days right like I don't think I could come up with a memory for every day of my life like most yeah. of them yeah are not uh rec- recollectable like they're gone
0: And I know you're fresh off of it right now, but, like, how many control saves do you think this week
4: got? Oh, my God. It's hard because, again, it's fresh. I'd be curious how I answer this, like, in a year. Yeah, or like, a month. um, But right now there's, like, hundreds.
0: Hundreds. Wow. I would say hundreds. Yeah. Were there, when you look at the spread of the week, like, were there parts
4: that felt particularly stretched out? Yeah, actually. There was this, like... One hour stretch honestly felt like a whole day. Wait, that's insane. You have four radios. It was the second night. Whose art is this?
5: Children's art.
4: You're a teacher. I went over to the home of my second couch surfing host.
2: What site
5: does the snack
2: want to go to? His name's
4: Adam. Right.
2: That's for me too, yeah.
4: We had this long, leisurely tea time. Is that a problem? That we're always moving our food to the right first. Like, our teeth gonna... Maybe they already have. And then at some point, he was like, okay.
2: I have an idea. I want to see what you think about my idea.
4: He says, today is a full moon. And technically, the full moon should rise at about the same time as the sun sets. Okay. And so he's like, should we go see it? Like, yeah, that sounds fun. So... Yeah, we're here in Riverside Park now. We went up this giant rock hill, but... We don't have a that
5: could have a view of the east.
4: We could see the sunset. We could not see. There's too many buildings in New York City. Like, we could not see the other side, the east side. Okay.
5: So now we have another quest. We then have two, 20 minutes. Ten, ten, ten. And then at some point, it was What's like, the width of Manhattan? Okay,
4: well, one of us probably just has to go to the east side. Okay. Wait, the bus is right there. I'm very fast. And so, so he instantly saw this bus and started, like, chasing it down. <laughs> oh, my God. He's just sprinting.
2: No. He doesn't
4: make it. So then I grab a city bike. I'm going to go that way. Okay? Stay here and I just start going for it. Like, I'll go across Manhattan to see the moon rise while he just stays and watches the sunset. I keep getting stopped on the way, but I, I think I'm pretty close. And what time is it? Hello? Hi. Okay, um, here's the situation. Okay. So I made it across town, and I'm looking out into the East River. Um, so that's a good news, right? And but the thing is, I'm looking into Roosevelt Island, which honestly is not the worst. But there are trees, so I'm gonna, you know, there's like a good, a few inches, that I'm seeing above the uh, horizon. God. I think it just set. I think it just set. Do you think it just set? So um, we missed okay, it. Well. <laughs> I'm just um, but I then mean, I see some other people there, so I'm like, "Hey, are you guys here to see the moon?" Are me? Are you here to see the moon or?
5: No, there's I a think, rocket launch. I think that's it, actually.
2: There's, there's a, a rocket, rocket launch, launch from Virginia tonight.
4: Wait, wait, wait! No way! Wait. wait, Adam, can you hear this? Like a NASA rocket launch? <laughs> like what? What? So what type of at? rocket is
5: it? It's a resupply <laughs> ship to the International Space Station. Um,
4: <laughs> I know. But then what? I'm so sorry. Look at that's the moon.
2: A, oh my god. Oh, wow.
4: The moon finally appeared over the buildings, and it was a super moon, Lulu. Oh, like, so this was huge. Giant orange Wait, moon. Can
6: describe the moon? It's, it's so big. It's, <laughs> um, very it's very orange. It's amazing. That's what you I mean, came I, I, to I the can... <laughs> side of the island for.
4: So. And I got so much more. <laughs> and I guess, technically, during that hour, seconds on Earth were moving like this. But as I look back on it now, I can feel the wind on my face as I'm pedaling across the city. I can see the man pointing out that rocket. The craters on that giant orange moon. And again, I look back at my tape, and it was all just about an hour. But it feels so much longer than that. And it'll probably always stay with me that way. Mm. So it seems
0: like there's also a power in expectation getting broken, like things not going to expectation. Yeah. Like that seems to get a control save.
4: I think you're totally right. Yeah. Surprise, like being surprised by the world.
0: Mm. You know, this is making me want to also ask you, now that you've successfully extended time— mm. Are you sure that's something you want? Are you so sure that's something you want?
4: Yeah, okay. This might be a good time for me to tell you about that last day. Okay, okay. So, yeah. Okay, so tell me about your last day. So, on Saturday night, um, Jay and I drove back from Cape Cod. hmm And by the end of the eight-hour drive, we decided to part ways. <gasps> like, break up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Um what do you want to share about and about well, that? Not not much about that. I actually okay. don't want to share anything about that. Okay. Um but it did mean that I stopped the experiment. Mm. Like I went home to my same old bed and ended up just like curling up with my little stuffed animal monkey. Mm-hmm. Um and then the next day. We well, are at the monastery. monastery. I went upstate to my monastery. Mm. It was a marching band practice. Hey. Oh, it's Julia! With like a bunch of my best Hi. friends and I know it was the last minute. Oh my gosh. Um, we like did mm. this little ceremony. <laughs> wow, those tomatoes. And then we'd all brought food so we had this like potluck. And then we just like chatted and hung out and someone played the guitar. It's kind and of the perfect day.
5: It's the, perfect day. It's the magic worked. Oh, it worked. <laughs> Thank you. Back Woo. to the city. Are you driving us? No, I wish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Woo!
4: Bye. Cindy, will you
5: come up for harvest week with us?
4: This last day showed me like I need days like that. Like I need yeah. comfortable, familiar days. I mean, sometimes they're just necessary. Right. Um, but now I know that those days are more likely to feel shorter, to get deleted, and um, I guess Lulu, we've talked about how your life right now has a lot of routine, kids, a wife, a house. Do you? Do you? <laughs> My boringness. I. Did, I. I. My life, deleting life. Well, no. I mean, look, I. I want those things too. But you're you are at a stage where you've made certain choices that, like the research says, does really yes. out with sh- it shorten your felt sense of time. Like having kids, is— as you, you put it,
0: deleting <laughs> my time.
4: <laughs> Just bloop. okay. Maybe that okay. that word choice is loaded, but um, shortening your felt sense of time. Um, like how are you processing this research? <laughs> you mean do I regret like getting married and having kids?
0: Um, no, but it does make me think about the time inside those choices differently. Like it makes me mourn all those little moments, just, you know, like my kid last night dancing to Green Day and Saying, "Come here, come say hi to my friends," and pointing to a blank wall, and me being confused. And there were like these four shadows, and he made me say hi to each one. Like that, that's going to get wiped. That'll be gone. Like hundreds of thousands of seconds and moments just gone. And and so I I respect and I appreciate your going out and testing and sharing the knowledge of how to extend time. But I also hold a candle. To all that time, all those moments getting lost.
2: Oh, come on. Okay. Sorry to barge in here, but no way. That to me is like antithetical to the whole spirit <laughs> of this. Of this story like 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 that's the the predictable bone you toss at the end to people so that we're not like judging the status quo normies who are just doing the same thing over and over again like it's like no go try a new food go to a new restaurant go do a new thing I want people to wake up and feel bad about like just being on autopilot for their lives like you have one life like wake up okay like okay point taken and I think there's some
0: admitted self reassurance of like attempting to tell myself that my life is not and I point taken.
2: Yeah, but okay.
0: also, I just question the value system. Like, it's only remembering the stuff where some expectation gets broken. And like, who decided? Is like evolution decided that the things that we're going to remember, that we're going to privilege, that are going to keep us awake? Mm hmm have to be novel, have to be, like, have to be breaking some rule, which to me just smacks of fear and, like, self-preservation. And what if we could, like, rebel against our master wirer to also hold the little,
4: like, (laughs) moments that normally get wiped?
2: How can you rebel (laughs) against your own brain? What does that even Uh, mean?
4: Actually, I mean, I do feel like that's sort of what I do when I meditate.
1: There's another way to go about this hmm. than just insisting on novelty your whole life, which could get kind of expensive.
4: <laughs> I actually called up my Zen Buddhist priest, Kosen, from that monastery, and he told me that having novel experiences, that that's actually just a shortcut to the thing that actually makes memories.
1: All that what we call novelty does is force us to pay attention.
4: And when we pay attention, he says. We discover that.
1: There is nothing
5: that is not new. Hmm. Everything is novel. Hmm. So I can look at a scene that's absolutely familiar to me, like the desk in front of me. But I can say, God, I've really never noticed in the way the light falls here and the way I've got this thing from 10 years ago that I've never touched or moved. And
4: David Eagleman again.
5: You know, I can really pay attention to it and take in my desk in a different way. I can make things novel. Now, it's probably not as good as actually going out and experiencing meaningful novelty that really changes your life, but you can certainly do it from the inside.
0: Take that, big guy. That was just a bagel. Big guy is you.
5: You're talking to yourself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my brain. That was just a bagel that I ate this morning, but my goodness. (laughs) The flake of salt and the flake of pepper mixed into the everything with the cherry tomato on top of the cream cheese was like a divine, was like as sacred as Sindhu seeing a super moon right. with like a astronaut chaser and like you know what moons are orange cherry tomatoes are orange they're both circles and I'm gonna remember them both
2: enjoy your bagel and I'm gonna go <laughs> skydiving with my new pet koala that I'm gonna adopt and and we'll let's let's check back in on our deathbed
0: All right, this episode was reported and produced by Sindhu Nyana Sambandan and edited by Pat Walters with sound design by Jeremy Bloom and mixing help from Ariane Wack. Special thanks to Joe Eidman, Nathan Pierboom, Kristen Lynn, Stacey Ryman, Ash Sanders, Saraya Shockley, Tasha Myers, Glenn Smith, Adam Aharoni, and Hussein Ishta. And also a very special thanks to Jay Menard for recording and editorial support. If you'd like a life calendar, I'm not sure why you would, but maybe you would. Actually, okay, if you listen to this piece, you might. You can find them on Tim Urban's blog. It's called Wait But Why. We've
2: been focusing so far on how to hack your brain to live a full life. But next up, we're going to transition from a how to a who. The story of a man who understood brains better than most of us and who used that knowledge to help others understand their brains, which in turn helped them live Fuller lives. That's up after the break.
0: Stick with us! Radio Lab is supported by Zbiotics. If you've been looking for some help, waking up refreshed after a fun night out, Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic is here to help. Zbiotics is a genetically engineered probiotic invented by scientists to help tackle rough mornings after drinking. This probiotic is the first drink of the night for a better tomorrow as it works to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is responsible for rough mornings after. Go to zbiotics.com Radiolab to get 15% off your first order when you use Radiolab at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money-back guarantee. If you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's zbiotics.com Radiolab and use the code Radiolab at checkout for 15% off. Radiolab is supported by Babbel. Sometimes self-improvement can feel like a pretty overwhelming journey. So what if this year you just got a tiny bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. Babbel is a science-backed language learning app with quick 10-minute lessons that have been handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. You can learn everything you need to have real-world conversations, café, s'il vous plaît, from vocabulary words to culture and more. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a few months or a full year. Here is a special limited-time deal for Radiolab listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash radiolab. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash radiolab, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Radiolab. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, this is Radiolab. I'm Lulu Miller.
2: And I'm Latif Nasser. We
0: are talking today about how to try to eke a little more happiness out of this whole life thing. And up next, we are turning to one of the experts on how to live and think, uh, Dr. Oliver Sacks.
2: If you do not know the work of Dr. Oliver Sacks, it is i i envy you actually for being able to read it for the first time his books uh for example awakenings the man who mistook his wife for a hat are are just so iconic and in addition to that not only was his work so uh, beautiful and clarifying and and interesting um his life as well he was one of these people that he lived such a full life it kind of it kind of stretches your conception of what is possible to do in a single life uh Oliver Sacks was a good friend of uh, the former host of the show, Robert Kralwich, and the two of them sat down on the occasion of Dr. Sacks's 80th birthday. This was before he died in 2015. Um, And this is what they talked about.
3: I asked him, would you mind sitting down and talking to me about how you got started? And he said, well, all right. The truth is, though, my start wasn't all that easy. In fact, it, it was
6: kind of rough. Um, I came to New York in 65. He wasn't planning to write essays about science, Uh, not at all. I wanted to be a real scientist. uh, The
3: kind that does experiments in a lab. And he had a research position at Einstein Medical Center in the
6: Bronx, working with... Worms. Um, Earthworms? Right, earthworms. I'm afraid I committed a sort of um, genocide of worms from the front garden at Einstein. Um, uh, I collected them by the hundred and by the thousand. How many altogether? Tens of thousands. The thing about worms is when you give them a little poke, you give them a little... <coughs> they have very quick reactions, subtle reactions when they curl up.
3: They react faster than people do. And he wondered, well, why? So he decided to focus on the wrappers that surround their nerve cells which are made from a very thin substance
6: called myelin so thin you have to peel it off really delicately one is looking for a little amount of myelin in their giant nerve fibers maybe a thousandth of the weight of each worm
3: so you're digging up you're digging up
6: lots of earthworms but how did they die um, well i um, I don't want to be pressed on that point. (laughs) Oh, come on! Um, Give me a um, little... We sort of anesthetized them and put them out. Until, very gradually, he accumulated
3: a precious ball of myelin that he could then take to a laboratory to experiment with.
6: Uh, Of course, like any good scientist, he also took notes. I kept fairly detailed notes in a huge green notebook, my lab notebook. Um, At that time, I lived here in the West Village, I had a motorbike and I went in daily to Einstein in the Bronx. I sometimes took the book home at night to ponder over. Uh, but one morning, when I was um, in a bit of a hurry, I failed to secure it properly to the uh, motorbike. And when I was on the Cross Bronx Thruway, the notebook broke loose and fell off the bike. I got to the edge of the road and put my bike on the stand, I could see the book in the middle of the crowded cross Bronx being really... The, the uh, cross d- Bronx um, expressway can get very, very busy. Very busy, very crowded, very fast, very callous drivers, <laughs> uh, who instead of respecting this, this notebook, this holy notebook of mine, were tearing it sheet from sheet. I two occasions I made little sallies to try and get into the traffic, but this would have been fatal. And so I lost my notebook. Um, and therefore all the data that you had it collected. Had nine from month, all nine of these? months data in it. Nine months mu- But I console myself that at least I, I had the sample and I could continue the work. With his little ball of precious myelin. And sort of make further results. Uh, although then there was another and even worse accident. Um, Which is, I lost the specimen of myelin, which I spent nine months getting. And then the powers that be got together. And basically, in a very kind but firm way, they said, Sax, you're a menace. Um, Go see patients. You'll do less harm. So no Uh, more lab work for uh, you. uh, No more lab work for me. And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) And Um, the rest uh, is history. And the
3: rest is history. So now, instead of a scientist in a lab, Oliver is assigned to what's basically a nursing home.
6: The original name had been the Beth Abraham Home for Incurables. Now it was just Beth Abraham Hospital up in the Bronx. Some of my uh, contemporaries said, you know, this is the sticks. No ambitious doctor would, you know, would work in a place like this. But I found it perfectly to my liking because I could spend a great deal of time with patients. Though on the day that he arrived, as
3: he stepped into the lobby, he looked around for the first time, and he thought to himself, like, what is going on here? Because everywhere he looked, he saw people. Some in chairs, some standing. Totally still, like like frozen. And though he didn't know this yet, these folks would become yet another Accident, or maybe I should call it a collision, between Oliver and the science community. One that would be much more painful than getting exiled from the lab. But this time, he would stand his ground and he'd fight.
6: Yes, right. Well, one of the things Oliver's
3: frozen patients had gotten sick back in the 1930s from a fever called encephalitis lethargica. They'd survived the disease,
6: but it left them, as one doctor put it, as extinct volcanoes. Hmm. Uh, in whom there was very little behavior and very little sign of mind of an interior.
3: They'd been stuck at Beth Abraham ever since.
6: And it seemed in 1966 when I went there that there was no hope or no future for them.
3: But then one year into his new job, a paper came out that said large doses of a chemical called L-Dopa L-Dopa, L-Dopa seemed to help Parkinsonians unfreeze a little bit. And Sachs thought, well, who knows? Maybe they could help my patients. It was a, a, a hunch. So he wrote the Drug Enforcement Agency in Washington asking for a supply of L-Dopa so he could run a study. If you've seen the movie you know what happens next. Dr. Sayer.
4: What is
2: it? It's a miracle.
3: For the patients with L-Dopa, the changes were to put it mildly dramatic.
2: Where are my glasses? They're on your face. Thank you.
6: Can you describe just a little bit what you were seeing? Well, I was seeing people become alert, attentive to their surroundings, able to move and able to feel in a way they hadn't been able to for sometimes decades.
3: Anthony, how are you? Great, man. How are you? Great, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, man.
3: Some of these changes Oliver could see and measure, but to get a fuller sense of what was happening, he wondered what was it like on the inside to suddenly walk and talk and feel after so long? Wonderful. Wonderful, said a patient he called Hester, who in one weekend burst out of a
6: 30-year silence. I'm a new person. I feel it. I feel it inside. I'm a brand new person. I feel so much. I can't tell you what I feel. He gave his patients diaries, and he told them, Well, tell me what you're feeling and experiencing. Again, here's Hester. I feel very good. My speech is getting louder and clearer. My hands and fingers move more freely. I can even take the paper off a piece of candy which I haven't done for years. The following day she wrote, anyone who reads this diary will have to excuse my spelling and my writing. They must remember that I haven't done any writing for years and years. And to this she added very poignantly, I would like to express my feelings fully. It is so long since I had any feelings. I can't find the words for my feelings. I would like to have a dictionary to find words for my feelings. Huh.
3: The government, of course, wanted to know what had happened as well, and they asked Oliver to report what he'd observed on what were called rating forms. Basically, they were charts. So if a patient shook less, Oliver was to mark that change, checking a box. Um, on a seven-point scale. So his shakes went from a six to a four. Then, you know, just check the box. Numbers
6: were key. That was what they expected, what they demanded. And that would have been enough for them. But not for Oliver. He had seen so much that wouldn't even begin to fit on a seven-point inventory. He said, I'm not, I'm not doing this. And I then stopped keeping these rubbishy inventories. <laughs> because they didn't say enough.
3: But as a researcher, as a scientist, he still had to report what had happened, which was a problem because in the 1960s, medical journals had an attitude about clinical studies. They also wanted numbers and patterns and data. They wanted things that
6: you could measure. They didn't want stories. Phenomena, phenomenological description, if you want to put it this way, had been largely displaced by laboratory tests of one sort and another. And that these meaning uh, adjectives and adjectives and, and, ver- um, and well, 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 by um, numbers um, that the, the urea was so and so, the chest X-ray so and so, and the more human sorts of description had become rarer. A hundred years earlier, in the eighteen seventies,
3: doctors did quote patients and did describe scenes in their clinical studies. Many of the nineteenth-century accounts are vivid and descriptive. But as medical machines got better, numbers became more reliable, gradually pushing out description, with one very singular exception. His name was... A.R. Luria. Dr. A.R. Luria was a neurologist living in Moscow in the 1960s. He still did case studies the old-fashioned way. One of his accounts of a man with a remarkable memory was startlingly vivid.
6: Uh, Yes, so much so that I read the first 20 pages of this, thinking it was a novel. And I then realized that it was a case history, but the most extraordinary and detailed I had ever read, but a case history which did not shy away from the human aspects and the pathos and drama. And then in 1967... I read a book. Also by Dr. Luria. Called Human Brain and Psychological Processes. And uh, this is the book you are holding in your hand. The book I'm holding at the moment, or, or I should say another copy of the uh, book. <laughs> yes. um, uh, w- when I read the book, I got appalled or frightened and awed uh, by its power and its depth and its... Uh, narrative sweetness wait a second oliver thought this man is doing exactly what i want to do
3: and suddenly he was he was jealous and maybe more than a little competitive because
6: this guy was doing it so well and i thought this man has seen it all he's writing has thought it all out in detail sooner or later he will see and think and write everything i can Therefore, there will be no place for me in the world. Luria will have done it all." And I tore this copy in two. Um, I hope you own this book. It um, wasn't the library book. uh, Well, it was indeed a library book. Uh, And I explained to the librarian at Einstein, I didn't say that I destroyed the book. I said, most unfortunately, I lost the book. But here is a new copy. And I got another new copy for myself, which I'm holding at the moment. And so,
3: both frightened and boosted by Luria's example, Oliver Sacks sits down and he writes his manuscript for Awakenings. And following Luria's example, he wrote it as vividly as he possibly could, with quotes, with scenes, with emotions. The
6: book came out in 1974. And what happened? Well, when Awakenings was published, many essayists and poets and others liked it very much. Um... Auden said he thought it a masterpiece. That's W.H. Auden, the great poet. And it was selected as Book of the Year by five writers. On the other hand, there were no medical reviews whatever. None. None. Well, to be fair, one small journal ran an editorial saying that among the most surprising uh, things uh, the previous year were the appearance of this extraordinary book and, quote, the strange mutism, unquote, of the profession. The strange M-U-T-I-S-M. Yes, the strange mutism. As in silence.
3: Yes, as in silence. This isn't science, some neurologists said. This is anecdote. Awakenings is not useful. It's overwritten. Where's the data? And what
6: is Sachs doing? The attacks got personal. One of the most painful was um, from a man who said Sachs is the doctor who mistook his patients for a literary career. Um, the science community almost
3: unanimously ignored awakenings. But in the middle of this quiet, out of the blue, a letter arrived at Oliver's house.
6: Um, from Moscow. It excited me. It had beautiful handwriting done, obviously, with a fountain pen.
3: He opened it, and it was from the man himself, A.R. Luria. And it turns out, Luria not only liked awakenings, he liked exactly
6: what the other neurologists didn't like. He said the art of description, common to the great neurologists and psychiatrists of the 19th century, is almost gone now. Um, And he went on to say that awakenings showed it could be revived and with a great success.
3: That letter, Luria's letter, plus the response from poets and playwrights and movie makers, gave Oliver the boost he needed to double down and begin writing book after book after book in his new but old style. He wrote stories about husbands who mistook their wives for hats, colorblind painters, deaf people, Touretteurs, autistic people, blind people. His descriptions in all these books are so full of feeling, he makes these people come alive. This is his legacy. Oliver Sacks is a great includer. And when I asked him, isn't it possible that your critics were maybe a little right, that maybe you overdid it a bit in Awakenings, put in too much description? He says, no.
6: I would now say that the description was inadequate. And I think, for example, that even with ordinary Parkinson's disease, to give an adequate description of how someone with Parkinson's rises from a chair and makes his difficult way across a room, um, uh, may need 50 pages of very clear <laughs> prose. I think that to describe a sneeze, and all the feelings which may precede and attend and succeed it, uh, would require many, many pages of lucid prose. Come
3: on. What is a regular neurologist going to do with 50 pages on about a sneeze?
6: How is he going to use that? Um, well, you might indeed be able to use it. Uh, let me no, give an example. No, uh, 50 pages on
3: a sneeze? You've just gone from useful to, to Proust. This, this, there's a line here, and you've just crossed it. This is literary. This is no
6: longer medical writing for doctors. It's well, something I else. try to be, and I believe I am a good doctor. And a doctor does not just diagnose a disease. That is the least he has to do that, but it's the least of what he does. He, uh, he is also concerned with the impact of the disease on the person, their experience of it, uh, and how they may adapt or otherwise how they may respond to treatment. So you, there is quite a, a, um, a strong individual story to be said of everyone with a disease or an injury. Or rather, you must expand the notion of medicine. No, but, but how
3: far do you expand it? Because you, you already have, you have millions of readers. Your stories have enormous influence. You're loved. The only question that dangles here is, is what have you done for doctors? They're your
6: holdouts at this well, point. Well, I think things have changed. And at first, there was this um, strange mutism especially among senior doctors, though I think junior doctors might sometimes have a copy of Awakenings with a brown paper cover. (laughs) Um, But now um, I think narrative has come back into medicine, partly as a thing which is taught in medical school. Uh. Um, I never thought of it as anything distinct from medicine and um, makes you realize that science is fun and science is play. But uh, Okay, so I have, let me just do this, let me, I have one last question.
3: So if, if you were to get sick this afternoon and have to call a doctor, and we'll just say the name of this doctor happens to be Dr. Oliver Sacks, would you trust him to fix you or just talk about you? So very beautifully, so people all over the world will know your story, which is that Dr. Sacks best at?
6: Um, well, it would depend what, what, what I had. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to give you an example. Okay. Um, um, some years ago, when I was flying to California, the air hostess, the term was used then, came around at one point to get orders for breakfast, and she said, Dr. Sachs? And the man next to me said, Yes. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I looked around furiously. And uh, anyhow, it turned out that he was another Dr. Sachs, in fact, a Dr. David Sachs, and he was a a pulmonologist from Stanford. We got chatting a little bit until there was a call over the loudspeaker, is there a doctor on the plane? And with Saxon alacrity, the two of us got up, converged to the patient who was a woman, obviously just coming to from an epileptic fit. And uh, as she became clearer, um, we asked if she'd ever had a seizure before, and she said no, she was a medical technician, she knew about such things. Um, I thought that one of her pupils was a little larger than the other. My fellow Dr. Sachs was, uh, uh, said he also thought that one of the pupils was a bit enlarged, but we weren't quite sure. We, I said, well, let's observe. And as we observed, the large, the enlarged pupil enlarged more. And I looked at Dr. Sachs, and Dr. Sachs looked at me. And we said, "Let's go to the captain." I'm not timid uh, when it comes to doing something for the patient. What did you want to tell the um, captain? We said to the captain, "We think this woman is bleeding in her brain. Uh, this caused the seizure, and this is also causing." Causing pressure in the head and the pupil, and she must uh, be in neurosurgical hands as quickly as possible. The captain said, Okay, and he um, emergently landed at Denver. The woman was taken off the plane, she was successfully operated on, and she thanked us both. So I can be. Now, which Dr. Sachs, which <laughs> of the two should get the lion's share of the credit? Well, we we did it together. But notice that he told it fantastically.
0: That was the late, the great Dr. Oliver Sacks. If you're interested in reading more of his work, we recommend literally any of his books oh, and countless essays. So good. Although I really loved An Anthropologist on Mars, and then I was a, a sucker for his autobiography on the move. Yeah.
2: It's also fun to read his book Awakenings and then watch the movie with Robin Williams playing him.
0: And we also we have Tons of episodes with Dr. Sachs uh, talking about his life, his patients. Just Google Radiolab and Dr. Oliver Sachs, and so many will pop up. Uh, And that's it for today.
2: Live your best life. And part of that, obviously, is tuning in again next week.
5: Radiolab was created by Jad Abumrad and is edited by Soren Wheeler. Lulu Miller and Latif Nasser are our co hosts. Dylan Keefe is our director of sound design. Our staff includes Simon Adler, Jeremy Bloom, Becca Bressler, Rachel Cusick, Akheti Foster Keys, W. Harry Fortuna, David Gable, Maria Paz Gutierrez, Sindhu Nyana Sambadam, Matt Kilty, Annie McEwen, Alex Neeson, Sara Kari, Anna Roskiewicz Paz, Alyssa Jong Perry, Sarah Sambach, Arian Wack, Pat Walters, and Molly Webster. With help from Timmy Broderick. Our fact checkers are Diane Kelly, Emily Krieger, and Natalie Middleton. <laughs>
4: Hi, this is
0: Tamara from Pasadena, California. Leadership support for Radiolab science programming is provided by the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation, Science Sandbox, a Simon's Foundation initiative, and the John Templeton Foundation. Foundational support for Radiolab was provided by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation.
2: Back to my poster. And...
5: Another week done. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential
0: Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is
5: perfectly portable and effortlessly easy, the way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh airwick.